Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, welcome to Kai Alpha tonight. We are so glad that you were able to join us tonight. Um, don't forget to join us afterward on Zoom. The link will be posted in the comments and you'll be able to talk about what God's been speaking to you and catch up with other people who um, were also watching tonight as well. Uh, it's been a while since I've um, come up and speak to you guys. Though I believe the last time I was talking to you was in February. We were talking about dating and a lot has changed in our in our world since then. Um, there's been a lot of talk about social justice um, and all the talk with the coronavirus. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people who are on edge right now and who really need some hope, something to look forward to. Um, but before I get into what I want to talk about tonight, um, I want to pray for us. Uh, God, I just thank you for um, bringing us here tonight. And I just ask that you would just speak through me and that you would, um, you would speak to anyone watching tonight uh, what you want to tell them. Uh, speak your truth into their hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, with all this talk about justice right now, I wanted to shed light on um, people who, were, um, who are struggling that don't get much news coverage right now, and that's um, the church, and that's Christians overseas. Um, in Nigeria last year, there were 2,000 Christians that were persecuted for their faith. 2,000 people who died only because they were Christians. In India so far this year, there have been 300 Christians that have been persecuted for their faith. And the situation has gotten worse with COVID. Many developing nations are withholding COVID relief aid to people that claim to be Christians. In China, they're demolishing church buildings during this time. They're banning online church gatherings, and they're arresting people for joining online prayer services. And Eritrea is denying Christians access to the United Nations shelter uh, camps and supplies that they've been handing out uh, due to the COVID relief efforts. In fact, Open Door USA has reported that right now, 260 million Christians worldwide are facing extreme, very high, or high levels of persecution. This only begs the question, where is God in all of this? Why is God allowing his church to suffer and allowing Christians to die? Well, first we have to remember what Brooke talked about last week about God being good. You know, God is good to us, and we have to believe that God is good. But if God is good, then why, why is this happening? The book that we're talking about right now and the book that we're preaching from is called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. And he talked about uh, in his book, and he said that it does not matter that God is all-powerful or all-knowing if he is not all-good. If he isn't all-good, we will never be able to love and trust him. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about trusting God through hardship and trusting God through trying times. And like James Bryan Smith said, if we don't first believe that God is good, then we're not going to be able to trust him and we're not going to be able to love him. So the question for tonight is, can we trust him to take care of us through this time? I first want to highlight that we are not the first people to feel this way. Many cultures, many nations, many peoples have gone through severe trials. I wanted to highlight um, one out of the Bible. Um, which is the Israelites. Now, the Israelites were God's chosen people. God cared about them. God loved them more than anyone else. 
and he wanted to provide for them. However, they kept turning their backs from God. They kept saying, we want our own kings. We want to make our own gods. And God was very furious with them. In, in fact, he even con he commanded a country, Assyria, to enslave them for 70 years. This was called the captivity. During this time, the people of Israel were taken from their home, were taken from their nation, and transported to a larger kingdom of Assyria where they were being held as slaves, while only a small remnant of people were left in Israel. This seems pretty bad. This seems a lot worse than, we, well, than what we may be going through right now. Um, so how, how did they do it? How did they make it through the 70 years of captivity? I'm sure that when they first got taken and, and overtaken by Assyria, they weren't thinking that it was going to end anytime soon. I'm sure they didn't know when it was going to end. Um, but it just makes me wonder, what was their hope? What were they looking forward to? How, how were they able to, to make it past that? Um, we, we get an answer uh, in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet um, during the time of the Israelites' captivity, and he spoke on behalf of God to his people, and he was giving them hope, hope that God was commanding him to give. In fact, he says in chapter 25, verse 3, Jeremiah says that the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up uh, for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So the people of Israel had this hope to look forward to, someone who was going to come in the future and take over their kingdom and execute justice and righteousness in their nation. And so once their exile was finally over, they were looking forward to this hope. However, it was still 400 years before this hope came. Generations upon generations came and went with this promise just sitting there waiting to be fulfilled. Now we know that it was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, who died on, on the cross for our sins and who is establishing his kingdom here on earth. However, they didn't know that. They didn't know when it was coming. But even Jesus, even this man Jesus, who died on the cross for us and, and saved us um, from our sins, even he was faced with the question, God, where are you in all of this? Um, a couple days before he was killed, Jesus, uh, Jesus was in a garden and he was contemplating. He knew what God wanted him to do. He knew that he needed to go die on the cross, but he didn't know why or what purpose it served. Um, and the disciple Mark records Jesus' inner dialogue in this time. In chapter 14, verse 32 to 42, Mark notes that um, Jesus and his disciples went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with them, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said stay here and keep watch. So Jesus right now is filled with sorrow. He knows what's about to happen, but he's grieved by it. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus doesn't want to go through this. He knows that it's going to be hard, 
but he also knows that God will take care of him through it. Um, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So Jesus, knowing full well what was going to happen, was reluctant and was grieved um, for, for this to happen. However, God provided for Jesus many times throughout his ministry. And Jesus trusted God with everything that, that he had, with all of his will. And so instead of saying, God, I'm not going to do this, he said, it's not what I will, but it's what you will. If Jesus can trust God enough to obey the will that sends him to the cross, then we can trust God in our daily lives with much smaller things. God's love made it easier for Jesus to trust him by going to the cross. His constant provision makes it easier for us to trust him as well. The cup that Jesus was talking about represented the situation that he found himself in. The situation of him knowing that he was going to have to go die on the cross. Um, and he, even though his soul was grieved, he knew that because it was God's will, that it was ultimately going to be for good in the end. And so it makes me think, it makes me pose the question, what is your cup? What are the aspects of your life that are making it difficult for you to trust God? What situation have you been put in that seems hard, that seems like something you don't want to do? Can we trust God to provide financially for us? Can we trust God to rid the world, to rid our country of the injustices that are happening, to rise um, people up to, that are going to um, praise Him and serve Him and love Him and rule righteously over us? Can we trust Him to provide His justice in our world? God promised Jesus to come when the Israelites were in exile. However, what has He promised to us today? What are the promises that are still on the table for him to accomplish? Well, the answer is Jesus, again. John, uh, his disciple John, um, got a vision from God and recorded it in the book of Revelation. In chapter 21, um, John uh, records his, his vision and the promise for us today that we can hold on to, the promise that we can hope, hope on. He says, that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, which is Jesus, also said, Behold, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He also said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is their second death. What we can learn from this is that we have hope. We have hope that Jesus will come and make all things new. He will reconcile creation to himself. And we learn that God is the ultimate provider of justice. Only God can provide justice to his people and only in the way that he knows how. We cannot create justice for ourselves. However, we can only allow God to work out the justice that he has ordained for us because true justice belongs to God. Will you trust him in this? Will you trust that he will make all things right at the end of the day? Trusting takes faith, which is a result of believing that God is good and works all things together for his good. If we don't believe that he is good, then we won't want to trust him. People will always let us down. However, God won't. God's promises always remain true and they'll always remain trustworthy. So how do we start to trust God? How do we start to give God our hearts and allow him to build up our faith through him? Well, we have to first trust him in the smaller things, which will lead us to trust him in the, in the larger things. Jesus spent his whole life trusting God. He trusted God when he rose and went out for the day, when he went to heal people, when he went to cast out demons. And all of these things built up his faith so that he could trust God in the end, that even when he was posed with death, that God was still going to provide for him and work all things together for his good. However, things will get worse in the world. We are told that uh, in, in the New Testament, Paul tells us that, that before the end of the days, things will get worse. People will be doing awful things. And so things are not going to be great when Jesus gets back. He's not going to come back to a world that is totally just because people start off evil, that we're evil in our heart. And only Jesus can redeem and reconcile us. And so when Jesus comes back, it won't before that won't be a happy time, but it, we do have the hope that Jesus will come back for us and that Jesus will provide for us in the end. We cannot make our world perfect, but Jesus can and he will. But we have to hope that Jesus will come and we have to trust in that. Our hope that we have in Jesus for the future will increase our trust now too. And so Jesus will make it better in the end. We just need to keep praying. We need to ask Jesus to come quickly because we need it. Our world needs him. And so just like we do, uh, we've been doing with every uh, message, uh, we have an exercise. I have an exercise for you guys to do this week. Uh, we call them soul trainings or things to help build up your soul, build up your spirit. And so this one's called counting your blessings. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you every day, I want you to list five things down on a sheet of paper of things that you're thankful for, things that God has blessed you with. Um, and then after this week, look back over the list and you'll have a list of things that you can see that God has provided for you. And it's really cool because um, you'll be able to see things, um, even in the small things, um, that God is still providing for you and that God is there in the midst of all of this chaos and uncertainty. When this, is, this exercise is good because we always focus on the things that we want God to do for us, 
but we easily forget all the things that he has already done for us. And so this exercise will keep these things in the forefront of our minds. It'll help us to shift our mind away from everything that is wrong in the world to the many things that are beautiful and wonderful. But this exercise, you have to be intentional. You have to choose to be happy and to praise him every day. You have to choose to count your blessings. If all we do is go online and see all the negative, all the hurt that is in the world, all the injustice that is in the world, then that's not going to be good for our spirit. But if we choose to be happy, if we choose to look at the world in a positive light, all the things that God has blessed us with, then that makes our heart happy and our soul happy, and we can then spread that light to other people. Through this exercise, we will see that He is worthy of our trust because of His provision for us. We'll also see all the things that He has given us, and it will increase our trust in Him as well. Because if we trust Him in the small things, we'll be able to trust Him in the larger things uh, when we're faced with, with those circumstances. Um, so I love you guys, and I appreciate you all for, for watching. Don't forget to tune in on Zoom after this. The link will be posted in the comments, and we'll be able to... Um, connect and talk about what God is saying to you um, in this time right now. And so, love you guys, and thank you for joining us.